0: You're about to listen to a message of Foundation of Truth Assembly. May the word you hear bear fruit in your heart now and always. Praise the Lord. What an awesome time of worship today. I'm excited to be here today. The very last Saturday in the month of January. Somebody shout Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. Such a beautiful morning. Lord, we bless your name. We appreciate you. We thank you for the privilege to be among the living. We thank you because you are with us. And that even as we step into this next segment, which is the word, that you will also show yourself strong in the name of Jesus Christ. We commit every one of us into your hands. Lord God, that you will lead us, that you will guide us. And at the end of it, Lord God, we'll be better people because we can. In the name of Jesus, be glorified, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can I hear you believing? Amen. All right, quickly, let's go. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of James chapter 5. I'm going to read James chapter 5, starting from verse 13. James 5, 13. The Bible says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. There are times that you have to pray for yourself. You, not somebody else, that you have to pray. It said, If anyone is suffering, let him pray. Not let their father pray, let their mother pray, let their friends pray. Okay, let him pray. But it goes on, it says, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing Psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him. This is the second instance. Somebody is sick. Bible says, don't be the one to say I want to pray for myself when I'm sick. It's okay to pray for yourself. But I say this is the position where you call the elders of the church to pray for you. Because sometimes when you are sick, you actually don't have strength to even pray. Your mind is in a confused state. You are afraid it is not a good time to really pray. But people around you, elders of the church, leaders, pastors, others, other believers around you can pray for you. All right. So he goes on to say, and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Verse 16 says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. Uh Oh, It didn't say confess your sins to one another and the other person should go and put it on Facebook status. Confess your sins to one another. Don't go and type it on Facebook. Oh, see what brother so-so-so and so did you do? What sister so so and so did He said, pray for one another. The next step after that confession, he said, pray for one another. That you may be healed. He goes on to say something that is very popular. And I need you to listen. The Bible says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So stage one, you pray for yourself. Stage two, you call the elders to pray for you. Stage three, you find somebody, a, a brother or a sister to pray with. You talk about issues. You can confess to them. You can confide in them. Then you can pray together. You see those three levels, huh? So today we, we are not talking about the people you pray for or the people that pray for you, uh, um, frontally. We just want to proceed in our series on let us pray. If you recall, two weeks ago, we started answering popular questions on prayer and we've answered um, up to seven by last week. So uh, the remaining questions have been compressed into three so that we can wrap this series up today. And by God's grace, we will attempt to answer the remaining three questions today. So are you ready? Go. Question number eight is, why is it important to pray with others? Since I can pray alone, what is the point? or praying with others, since I can pray alone, you know, in the text we read here in James chapter 5, we saw those three scenarios. Okay, good. There's nothing wrong with you praying alone. Actually, there's nothing wrong about it. But the question is saying, why is it important to pray with others? So, let's first agree that it is given that you should be able to pray alone. But are there reasons to want to pray with other people? maybe a prayer partner or to pray in a congregation there is a prayer meeting in church to say is there a reason for me to go there and pray? that's what this question is about okay, in scripture we see that our Lord Jesus Christ He prayed alone, severally read all through the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Matthew, Luke and John we saw Him praying alone in many many occasions too many occasions that if I start opening scriptures now, we will not finish so today I'm just trying to go uh, to manage my time so that we can finish this series. Uh, as much as possible, I'll just be mentioning those scriptures or paraphrasing them or quoting them as God gives me ability. Again, another person we see in uh, scripture is Paul. Paul prayed alone, severally, and there are instances scattered all over scriptures where he prayed alone. Sometimes even in his letters, he's writing, he's, he's praying with the letter. He's writing a prayer. Apart from those moments he said that I bowed my knee before God, you know, that is I pray alone. I, not me and all people in my house will bow our knees. You know, he prayed alone many times and there, there is more than enough scriptural evidence to that. So there are times that you need to DIY when it comes to prayer. You have to do it yourself. Sometimes people don't understand what you need to pray about. So that's when you step in to pray for yourself. And with someone instance in that uh, James 5, 13, that if you are suffering, for instance, You are the one that knows where it is pinching you. You are suffering a pain. You are suffering something. You are suffering from a circumstance. He said, pray. You pray. So there are times that you pray alone. However, however, listen, and I'm not going to kid you. There are many, many benefits of teaming up when you are, when it comes to prayer or praying in a team. There are a lot of benefits and we see all that through scriptures too. Daniel chapter two. I'm going to read, this is a very popular scripture, Daniel chapter 2 verse 16. Daniel was a man that grew up in a foreign land. He was sold, you know, he was carried there with other captives from Jerusalem and uh, he became one of the officers of the kings, in fact he served under four regimes of kings in Babylon. And we know that uh, there was one wicked king who had a dream and did not want to tell anybody. I was waiting for everybody to tell him the dream and his interpretation to be sure that they are not lying to him. So Daniel was unfortunately, or fortunately, part of the people that were supposed to be killed for not being able to tell the king his dream. But wait, it was not only Daniel. His friends were also in the same boat with him because they were also wise men of the kingdom. Verse 16 says, So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time, that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then, you know, Daniel has gone to boast. Don't worry king, he will tell you the meaning. We will tell, he, even him, at the time he was boasting, he didn't know the meaning. He didn't even know the dream. That's the kind of confidence he had in the God of heaven. That when we pray, he answers. He already made the promise before he even went to pray. Lord, give us people who have confidence in God. He said to the king, Don't worry, relax. King, be calming down. We will go and give you the answer. So he went in. The Bible says in verse 17, Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Ananiah, Meshel, and Azariah, his companions. That's who we call Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You understand? He told them, the Bible says they were his companions. They were his partners. Prayer partners. May God give us prayer partners. I don't know who you are attracting in your life. Are they prayer partners? Are they gossip partners? This was a man who had prayer partners. So he told them, "Say, said, guys, that they might seek messages from the God of heaven concerning the secrets so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of babylon then the secret was revealed to daniel in a night vision so daniel blessed the god of heaven you see agreements agreement is a spiritual is a spiritual code i don't know how to explain this enough what happened there was a prayer of agreements. say guys you know we're all in these booths and we have a collective destiny. If this matter is not revealed, they kill all of us. We are wise men. They kill all of us. So, because those people too knew that, hey, our lives are on the line. They teamed up. They were motivated. So, Daniel was not only praying. He was praying with people who were motivated to pray with him. People who were in the same circumstance with him. Oh, you are looking for admission. There are other people who are looking for admission. Do you know them? Can you pray with them? You are motivated along the same line. You are in between jobs. You are trying to get a better one. Can you look for people who are also trying to do the same thing and say, Brothers, sisters, can we agree to pray on this subject? I don't know what you are looking for. There is somebody out there who is in the same boat with you, who is motivated to pray with you. So they prayed because they were motivated. Matthew chapter 18 verse 19 to 20. It says, if two of you we agree on anything, <laughs> I love this scripture. <claps> two of you agree on anything, See, so I will do it. See, because where two or three are gathered, I'm there in their midst. Agreement is something that resonates in the spiritual realm. It resonates in the spiritual realm. The Bible was talking about the agreement between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Both on earth and in heaven. He said they are one. These three agree in one. When people agree, tremendous results are possible. So, and it is the same case for prayer. If you remember what we read last week in Acts chapter 24. The Bible says that um, after people have been threatened, they threatened the apostles. He said they gathered. The apostles gathered in one accord and they made a prayer with a loud voice. is not the loud voice, like we said last week, that made their prayer to be answered. It's because they were united. The Bible said when they finished praying that prayer, there was an earthquake. <laughs> Tremendous energy was released. Tremendous power was made available. Power made available. Hello? You know, when you, we when you read that, James five sixteen, it says, the fervent effectual prayer. Of a righteous man, that is one righteous man, avails much. Imagine two righteous men. The Bible says, one shall chase a thousand, two shall chase ten thousand. Imagine ten righteous men. Even when Abraham was negotiating with God about Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, he kept saying, if you find this number, the more the number, the more the compelling reason to bring about a result that is outstanding. There is somebody out there. That can amplify, so to speak. Can amplify the kind of results you can get in prayer. Because there is such a thing as prayer of agreement. When we pray with others, even if your own faith is little, by the time you see another person around you praying, your faith will come up. You go to a congregation, you see people believing God, praying, praying, praying. Something tells you, whoa, this is an atmosphere of faith. Let me connect with this atmosphere of faith and bring my request. Even if your faith was little before, you see something welling up in you. I've been to several meetings. Somebody will come out and say, I have a prayer request. They've been praying on that thing for, for years. And I'm, I'm not telling you what I don't know. Real life examples. They've been praying about certain issues for years. And one day in the prayer meeting, they'll just say, okay, please, i I, I like you please to pray for me concerning so-so-so. Thing. Everybody say, come, come to the middle. Let's all pray for brother so-so-so and brother so-so. Next thing you hear a testimony. Have you not heard of that before? What do you think is happening? Why? When more people are praying about it, there is more opportunity for God to even reveal to more people what the actual need is. And we have a, more, um, a bigger opportunity to understand the will of God on the matter and yield. And yield. Maybe it's, if it's only you, God is telling you, do like this, do like this, you are arguing with God. But God is telling two, three witnesses in the house who are praying for you on that subject. There is an alignment. There is a confirmation. And you are able to move in that direction. One other thing that praying together with other people does is that it it provides a platform for support and accountability. You know, when you have come now, you've, you've told me you are praying for admission. And I see that it's time to go and get that form. You didn't get that form. Jam form is around the corner. You've been praying for admission since last year. And I see that you know jam form is out, but you are not taking it. I begin to ask you, bro, sis... You said you were going to enter school. The form is out. You said for this particular job that uh, you have applied for, those, those skills are needed. But I don't see you going online to learn the required skills to take the required certification for the field that you have said you want to go into. That we are joining you to pray about. So you become more accountable. You get more support. Ecclesiastes chapter four, if you start reading from verse nine to twelve, he says two people are better than one. Hello. I didn't write it. So if one falls, then the other can take him up. That is, you can form a tag team. Back to back, you are confronting the enemy. Because there are perspective limitations. When you pray alone, you can't see your back. You don't see your back. Why do you think airplanes never fly with one pilot alone? There are things one person doesn't see. And when the stakes are high, you want to be double sure. Hello? Even when Jesus was going to the cross, he had to call his disciples, guys, come. I need you to come around and pray. Pray. I want to go and pray, but even you guys, you need prayer. Come and pray so that you will not enter into temptation. Come and pray. Of course, we know how it ended. So, praying with other people has a lot of benefits. And, if I may, (laughs) praying with other people is one way you can guarantee that indeed you are praying for others and that others are praying for you. What do I mean? So in general, uh, we are selfish. And I'm, I'm saying this with all sense of honesty. When you say people should pray, actually, they are not praying for other people. They are praying for themselves. All those things you hear, uh, I'm praying for you. You go and tell somebody your story. I'm praying for you. Forget it. Half of What am I saying? More than half of the time, they wish they will pray for you. They will not remember. Those that are very kind, that remember, is when they are about rounding up their prayer points, that they say, oh Lord God, we pray for Sister Emily. Lord God, remember, remember our prayer point. In Jesus' name we pray. By the time they are doing that, they have spent one hour praying for themselves, and praying for their loved ones. Hello? So, don't let anybody deceive you. You've got to ensure that people are praying for you only when you are praying with them. It's in that moment you are sure. And of course, because even as we read in that James 5, it said we should pray for one another. So it's actually a commandment that you too should pray for other people. So it it serves a mutual benefit uh, both ways. You praying for others, others praying for you, happens when you come together to pray. Not when one person is in their house and another person is in their own house. Hallelujah. All right, I'm moving very quickly because of my time. Question number nine. I want to spend time on the last question question number nine which is the second to the last what time of the day and how often should i pray hello what time of the day should i pray in the morning afternoon mid-afternoon late afternoon early evening late evening night or through the night and how often should i pray two times in a day, three times in a day, four times in a day, or pray like Muslims five times in a day, or I pray seven times in a day, or I pray without ceasing. Hmm. This is interesting. <laughs> so, let, let's even start with the how often, and we, we'll come back to what time of the day. Once we understand and settle how often. I want to read a few scriptures that many of us have read, and we have read in a, in a way that is not the intended meaning. And I please beg you don't don't uh, jump into any conclusions let's read them together one after the other we will read them together and draw conclusions 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17 Book of 1 Thessalonians uh, I'm going to read 5:17 See what Bible says I, I want to be reading exactly what is there the bible says in verse 17 pray without season." clear pray without season. okay point one luke chapter 18 verse one just bear with me i'm going to read all these scriptures um there's a reason luke chapter 18 verse 1 which is our main text for this entire month the bible says and jesus told them a parable that men always to pray and not to lose that always to pray and not lose that we are considering how often should i pray okay let's go colossians chapter 1 verse 9 colossians 1 verse 9 what does the bible say stay with me please 1 verse 9 says for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you be filled with knowledge of his will, and the prayer goes on and on like that. This was an epistle of Paul. Okay, we go to another epistle of the apostle Paul, the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 18. I'm trying to lay a foundation before attempting to answer this question. 6 verse 18. Ephesians. Ephesians 6:18 says, praying. Always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and for me, and not know like that. Okay, so in this scripture, I I hope you were paying attention to the keywords. The keywords say pray without season, without season. Look at him one says: always to pray." Colossians one nine. Since says, we have not ceased to pray for you. Ephesians 6, 18 says, pray at all times in the spirit. Hmm? At all times. So people have said, what is the intention of God for our prayer life as Christians? In the light of these scriptures, say pray without ceasing. Pray always. What does it really mean? Is it talking about frequency or is it talking about something else? That is how often we should pray. How often, always. What does that always or without season? what does it mean? Okay, before I answer it, I'm going to make some statements and then ask you the same question. So if I say about somebody, somebody uh, in a class, I say, Bola G is always making noise. What does that mean? Bonaji is always making noise. I'm the class teacher of Bolaji's class. And I tell Bolaji students, Bolaji is always making noise. Okay. Or there's a girl called Fijabi. Fijabi is always pressing her phone. I'm reporting Fijabi to the mother. Fijabi is always pressing her phone. What really am I communicating? Hello? I hope you are following me. Before you answer, as you are thinking about it, I now put the third statement. Uh, James is always praying. Three statements. Number one, Bolaji is always making noise. Two, Kijabi is always pressing our phone. Three, James is always praying. What do I mean? Am I saying Bolaji does not do anything else in this life than making noise? Bolaji doesn't eat. Bolaji doesn't sleep. Bolaji doesn't read. Bolaji doesn't play. Bolaji doesn't sleep. Bolaji doesn't do anything. He's always fighting or always making noise. That's not what it means. Is that what it means? So if I say uh, Fijabi is always pressing her phone, am I saying Fijabi never ever drops her phone, never ever sleeps, never ever goes to the bathroom, never ever eats? Ever, ever does anything else in this life while pressing a phone. No. I hope you agree with me now. So when the third statement comes and says, James is always praying, it doesn't mean that James does not sleep. Hello, I know this might get me into trouble, but I'll say it as it is. We are understanding and interpreting this scripture in context. We have used examples that are contemporary. So that we get the the contextual meaning of when you see always praying in scriptures. So it does not refer to a constancy of prayer. But a tendency for prayer. That is, you are more likely to catch this person doing that. Than doing another activity. That's what it means. So if I say, Fijabi is always pressing her phone. That means that a lot of times, if you run into Fijabi, you are likely to catch up pressing a phone. And based on statistics, um, the average user of of a smartphone touches their phone 2,617 times in a day. Average user. For the top 10 super users, people who, who are really like that Fijabi, who are always pressing their phone. The statistics website I, I checked says they press their phone 5,400 times in a day. 5,400 times in a day. How many seconds are in a day? More than 5,400. Meaning that even the top 10 users do not press their phone every second. Do you understand? So, this is the context of what we are talking about when the Bible says, Pray without season, Always praying. It refers to tendency and not constancy. Because from a practical point of view, you cannot be in constant, actual, uh, unbroken prayer in the sense that we think the scripture is referring to. Rather, it is referring to an attitude. An attitude of prayer a lifestyle of prayer that when people bump into you you are likely to be caught praying not because you are going to stay static and be saying no 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 this is prayer and I'm not doing any other thing no there are times like that that you dedicate it solely to prayer but what Jesus is saying is that make prayer like an every second aspect of your life you are eating be in a prayer mode you are at work there is chaos or there is excitement. Can you still whisper a prayer? You are in trouble. It's your default prayer. You are reasoning. You get stuck. Can you say, Lord, please help me? That's a prayer. That is, make it a lifestyle. Let it be a natural, a default position for you. Let it be what you are more likely to do than something else. That's what it means to be praying without season. To pray always. So even though you are supposed to be doing one other activity, but you are in such a position that you can communicate with God and God can communicate with you. Then that, that is prayer. Prayer is communicating with God and God communicating with you. In other words, being in the spirit. That's what it means. Being in a position where you intimately connected to God in a ceaseless flow that much as your job on the day is to be cleaning something as you are cleaning something you are not disconnected from hearing from him or being able to speak with him and that is why you cannot tell me you are following this scripture and you violate the principles of God because as you are doing the things that you know does not please God You know you are putting yourself in a situation where you are making a decision to disconnect. So, prayer keeps you in check daily. It keeps you in tune with the spirits. That's what this scripture refers to. So, we should seek to develop an undying habit for resorting to prayer as a default for our daily life until it becomes our passion and priority. We should practice it so much, it becomes habitual to us. That whether you are talking or you are praying, people don't know. Because both are together. Whether you are walking or you are praying, people don't know. Whether you are walking or you are praying, people don't know. Whether you are singing or you are praying, people don't know because it's intertwined. Whether you are eating or you are praying, people don't know. It's not about just praying before you start your food. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about relationship. That you are so intimately connected that you are Tuned into the channel of communication with God. That is what it means to pray without season. It doesn't mean you closing your eyes everywhere you are on the streets. In the name of I'm praying. You are driving, you are closing your eyes. No. But you are driving. You are still in this position where you can communicate with God. And God can communicate with you. That's what praying without season means. And that is how often we should pray. I don't know if I've made this clearer, or you see need me to say one or two things more honest. So, when we talk about praying without season, it can be complicated. But that's God's desire that we stay intimately connected with Him. That's the purpose. I know what you call prayer may be different from what God calls prayer. Many people, what we call prayer is when we hit our head against the wall. But what God calls prayer is you communicating via His Spirit to Him. And He, through the same channel, is able to communicate with you. It's like a communication line. Like a phone line. God on the other side of the line. There are times when you pick up your phone to make a call. And you are screaming and yelling and singing. There are times you are speaking in soft tones. There are times you are on the call. you're still doing other things hello that's what it means to pray without season to keep the communication line open somebody say keep the communication line open so feel free to engage in prayer spontaneously as the holy spirit will lead you during the day and as the need arises because sometimes it's not about the holy spirit leading you there is a need something has happened you want to pray that's a spontaneous prayer Nothing stops you from scheduling prayer to say, "I, I would like to pray at so so time." I like to to have a daily routine of prayer. I want to set it up on my phone, five minutes of prayer at so so point in the day, ten minutes of prayer at so so point in the day. There's nothing wrong about it. As a matter of fact, we see several persons in scriptures, scattered all through scriptures, that have such a habit that will set time for them to pray. You know, they just want to pray at a, at a particular time and that that's perfectly okay okay let's quickly check a few examples um our beloved king david uh psalm 55 where is psalm 55 verse 17 let's see some people's prayer routines in scriptures and there's nothing wrong with having a prayer routine there's nothing absolutely wrong about it in fact if you have a routine it helps you to be a bit more disciplined See what the psalmist said in verse 17 of Isaiah 55. It says, evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud. And you will hear my voice. That is, I'll pray in the morning, I'll pray at noon, and I'll pray in the evening. This David. Okay. Let's look at another person. Daniel. Daniel chapter 6. I'm going to read verse 10. Daniel 6.10. So, this is Daniel's own routine. The Bible says concerning Daniel. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. So, for Daniel, this was also a routine. And for those of us that, that say, I'm too busy, eh, that's why I cannot have a prayer schedule. <laughs> I love him pigeon these two people who we've just mentioned they are busier than you David was a king is that saying president David was a king I don't want to look uh, to know what his calendar looks like meetings back to back decisions back to back Daniel was a senior vice president in an empire in Babylon that ruled the world at his time he was one of the three senior vice presidents that man was a busy man So, I don't understand these our stories. Oh, you know, pastor, you know, I'm going to school. That's why I don't have time. I'm so busy. We have lectures all the time. You don't want to do it. If you want to do it, you will schedule it. If Daniel could do it, if David could do it, we can do it. And I'm not saying this to you alone. I'm saying this to myself. To say, can I put God, a time to talk to God on my busy schedule? Daily. 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 Forget the excuse. Excuse your excuses. If you want to do something, you make time for it. Can we make time for God daily? I just want to spend time with Him. It doesn't have to be very long. Start from what you can afford. Over time, you will see improvement because you now do it daily. You get used to it. Peter, Acts chapter 3 verse 1. The Bible says it was the night hour, the hour of prayer. Peter and John, they were going to the temple. Huh? They have time to go and pray. And there's nothing wrong with that. In addition to our spontaneous prayer, so I'm trying to answer the question of how often and when. Gradually. hmm? You have seen that both uh, Daniel and um, David, they said they prayed three times. David was specific and said, I pray in the morning, I pray at noon, and I pray in the evening. Okay. So that means you can pray in the morning. There's nothing wrong with praying in the morning. There's nothing wrong in praying at noon. There's nothing wrong in praying in the evening. So in addition, I want us to consider our Lord Jesus Christ, his own prayer routine. Huh? I think this will be helpful. And probably it will also help to clarify some of the other things we've heard about prayer and prayer times. You know, I've heard things like, oh, if you pray in the night, huh, it's equivalent to seven times of praying during the day. Hmm? You know, we have heard those kind of things. And we have not searched the scriptures to understand if it is true. And if it is true, why is it so? Do you understand? So, number one, I have not seen it in scriptures. To say if you pray at night, is equivalent to seven times the effectiveness of the prayer you pray by day. I have not seen it in scriptures. If you have seen it, please text it to me. I will be happy to read it. But in scriptures, you have seen that people can pray at different kinds of times. Matthew chapter... So, we're checking the prayer routine of our Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14 from verse 22 to 25. So, what does uh, the scripture say? Ah, this is a very interesting one. (laughs) Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Before this, immediately, what actually happened... Was that Jesus just finished feeding five thousand people, and the Bible says immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. Up by Jesus, up by Jesus. After feeding five thousand people, is it not time for selfie? Is it not time to call a press conference? And say, come on now, the anointing has come. I just fed five thousand people. Let me be taking selfies. Oh yeah, who want to take selfie with me? Jesus was not a. He was not a person like that. He just said, okay, it is done. Can we move to the next miracle? Can we move to the next assignment? Ah, Don't let me go there today. Let me continue reading my Bible, JJ. Uh, Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. He sent the multitude away. (laughs) And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up on the mountains by himself to pray. Now, when the evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. We know the rest of the story. So, he started praying from that evening, because it was already getting to evening time, it was approaching evening, when he fed the 5,000. You know, that's why I said, ah, if I let these people go, they will faint. So, uh, if you read, um, say, verse 15, he said, when it was evening, the disciples came to him. Hmm? So, He stayed back after he dismissed all the multitude, and including his disciples. Do you know why he did that? So that he can have private time to pray. So what counts is not also the fact that he's praying in the evening. And we will see that he prayed at other times of the day. But he wanted private time to pray. So he dismissed everybody and spent his time to pray from that evening into the night. The Bible says into the fourth watch of the night. Long hours of prayer. God, give us strength <laughs> to stay in the place of prayer long. Many of us, as we stay in the place of prayer, five minutes always look like five hours. As we just start to pray, we are looking at the, the clock. Ah, ah. is the five minutes, sis. Ah, ah. I thought it's 45. No, it's just five minutes, bro. Keep on grinding in prayer. The Bible said Jesus was there from that evening till the fourth watch of the night. No wonder many miracles and signs will follow him. When he will come in the morning, then people begin to move. Hallelujah. So, I'll read another one. Mark 1, 35. Mark 1, 35. So, we saw Jesus praying in the evening. Uh, Mark chapter 1, Okay, verse 35. What does the Bible say? Okay. The Bible says, Now, in the morning, (laughs) having risen a long while before the daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and he prayed. So, Jesus also prayed in the morning. Early hours of the morning. Before the sun came out. So, again, the Bible is not specific on the actual time. But just a long before daylight. So, before it became bright. So, I don't know if it's 3 a.m. Or 4 a.m. Or 5 a.m. And I don't know the season. Because you need to understand that in Israel, they had seasons. Different seasons. So, on a different season, there may be longer day, shorter nights. It's applicable. Mm. So, but what we know is that it was in the early hours of the morning. In the early hours of the morning. So, and Jesus prayed in the early hours of the morning. Again, you see what he did there. The Bible says he went out and departed to a solitary place and he prayed. So again, he wanted time alone. That's what counts. Focused time. So that you are really praying. Huh? Ah, okay. Then let's look at another time. That Of the day that Jesus prayed. Luke chapter 6 verse 12. And there are a lot more. But we don't have enough time to go through everything. So I'm just trying to pick uh, diverse ones. So that we can get the gist. Luke chapter 6 verse 12. 6 12 says. Now it came to pass. In those days. That he went out to the mountains to pray. And continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day. He called his disciples to himself. So as he was Going to make a decision to choose which disciples he will draw to himself, the 12. Bible says the previous day, he spent the entire night praying. And this is our concept of all night. I know even now, even before COVID came, many of us are lazy. If they say come for all night, we know we, we will not show up. We will find a good excuse to not show up. But if there is a football match, or they are playing a World Cup match in the night, you will stay up to watch. God is watching you. Some people will even stay up to watch BB Niger. You are watching people that are sleeping. But you cannot come to VG and watch and pray. I'm not trying to rhyme here. But this is the reality of our lives. The Bible says Jesus stood all night praying. All night. All night. The Lord will help us. So, that no matter the time of the day. And we have seen from different examples. That it's okay to pray at any point in the day. The key principles, just keep them. When you say you are praying, make sure you are praying, irrespective of the time of the day. So whatever time of the day or night you choose, God is there to answer if you are there to pray. If you are there to pray, God is there to answer, no matter what time of the day. So, man of God, so why is there so much clamor for night prayer? I'll tell you, and I've heard plenty of things but I'll tell you what I've seen from experience in the night, and I do that too once in a while, not all the time in the night the distractions are fewer so for instance, the people that want to call you they have slept the people that want to chat you up, they have slept if I say I want to pray in the afternoon now my phone is going to ring or I'm at work, or I'm studying or something, or well, at night the people that want to call me, they are already sleeping and I've told myself I'm also not watching the TV. I want to just be in a place. So even if it's five minutes I spend in that time of the night where everybody is cool and calm and sleeping, it's effective because I have reduced distraction, not because there is a special power of the night that is enabling my prayer. I know there are different theories. Like I said before, I know I could be attacked based on this You say, Oh no, you don't know what you are talking about. Okay, you show me in scriptures, I'll be happy to see it. But this is what I've seen from personal experience. At night, your own senses too are a bit more alert. At night, the distractions around you are calm. At night, okay, just like on campus, when people used to read at night, you know, and you know, some people will read, they say they want to go and read at night on campus and they will carry pillow. The person who is reading during the day, who is not sleeping, is better off than the person who is carrying pillow at night. So it's not the time of the day that you reach that counts. It's the focus time you're able to create within the window where you're doing it. So if you can find a focus time to pray during the day, God is there. He's not only a God of the night. He's also a God of the day. He's going to answer you. Do you understand? So let's, let's get it straight. Time is running out. I go to the last question of the day. Hallelujah. The question is this. Is praying in tongues a more effective way of praying? I'll repeat it. Is praying in tongue a more effective way of praying? Hmm. This is a trick question, <laughs> and we have to approach it with utmost caution, in view of what Scripture says and what we have seen in practice. Because sometimes, as as believers and as human beings generally, sometimes we look at the practice and judge something based on practice, forgetting the principles that are being enacted in Scriptures. To say, what does God really want? Or what is the mind of God on this subject? You know, and we we have some some questions coming out of this. Does it mean that uh, prayer will be more effective if I pray in tongues than if I pray in English language, for instance? So if I pray in unknown tongues, compared to if I pray in English language, does it mean the one I pray in unknown tongues will happen fast, 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 fast? You know, like, must everybody speak in tongues? Okay, what about those of us that that don't know how to speak in tongues? You know, somebody could be asking that. Does it mean that my prayer will not be effective? Or must the Holy Spirit move me each time I want to pray in tongues? Or can it be me making my mind up to say I want to pray in tongues? You know, all kind of questions to say in prayer. Should I regulate the Holy Spirit when the tongue is coming? Should I block it? Or should I say, oh, I will not let the tongue come out except it's the Holy Spirit that is speaking it through me? All kinds of questions around this so I, I'm, I'm a bit careful maybe the question we should be asking is are there benefits that a person will speak in tongues as are there benefits with respect to prayers are there benefits and the easy answer is yes so about effectiveness we will come to it later but are there benefits the answer is yes unequivocally and it's clear in scriptures. Okay, let's go and, and just do a very quick one around... Um, oh, Lord Jesus. Time is running out. First Corinthians chapter 12. I won't read all the verses. <laughs> no, no, I won't. I won't. I'm not going to read verse 4. Say, there are diversities of uh, gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences in ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works in all. But the manifestation of spirit is given to each one, and it begins to mention them, to mention them. When it gets to verse 10, it says to another, working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another, different kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. Say, but the, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one, Individually, as he wills. <laughs> as he wills. Not as I will, not as you will. As he, the Holy Spirit, wills. Ah, So, listen. Not everybody will speak in tongues. Just take that. Because, in fact, let me quickly read. Um, the same First Corinthians 12. So, um, let me read from verse 30. Same first Corinthians 12. Bible says, Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? <laughs> Bible. Is this your Bible? Verse 30. Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet, I show you a more excellent way. If you uh, back up, you start reading from verse 28, you understand what, what is actually talking about that. God has given different gifts to different people in the church so that the collective will be used for everybody's benefits. But not that everybody has all the gifts. So some will have gifts, A, B, C, D, E. And another group will, may have uh, E, F, G, H, I. Do you understand? And who gets what is determined by God, not you. But it's giving you a room. He said, but you are free to earnestly desire it. And once the proof of desire is pursuit. if you want it, you begin to pursue it in place of prayer. Say, God, I want it. I want to be able to speak in tongues. There was a time in my life, I couldn't speak in tongues. But it didn't mean that I did not have the Holy Spirit. Because there are different manifestations of the same Spirit. Because I had expressions of other kinds of gifts. It's a gift. And I was sure of all those other kinds of gifts. But not the one of speaking in tongues at that time. Do you understand? So, depending on God, He gives you which of the gifts He wants to give you. But it's not giving you for you, it's giving you for the whole church of believers. For the body of believers, so that we can help one another. What you have, you use. What I have, I use. And He said, okay, in addition to the tongues, He now gave some people gift of interpretation of tongues, and it's not translation of tongues, hello? He didn't say gift of translation of tongues. Interpretation means bringing the meaning. (laughs) Not doing word for word change in meaning. So somebody may speak in tongues for five minutes. And the meaning, the interpretation may be one sentence. Hello? Uh So it didn't say you should translate the tongue. But to interpret it. To interpret it. So it's the same spirit and it's distributed by God to whoever he likes. For the purpose of building up his church. Then in uh, chapter 13, you now saw when he said, I will show you a more excellent way. The whole of chapter 13 was now devoted to that more excellent way called love. That ultimately, the gifts that I want all of you to actually have and actually use, the best, the mother, the crown jewel of all gifts is love. Love. The commandment and the law hangs on love. You know, understand love towards God and love towards people. That this is what I actually want you to do. In fact, by this, shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another, do you understand? So, verse uh, chapter fourteen. He now continued to teach on spiritual gifts and say, okay, this one that you guys really like, speaking in tongues and prophesying, say it's good, but you must not use it anyhow. There are rules, there are principles, so that you will not abuse it. And that's what chapter fourteen was now devoted to. He began to teach, to say, guys, when you are speaking in tongues, make sure it's, in, uh, it's done in an orderly fashion. If you want to speak in tongues, uh, your language of communication with God is between you and God. So, in verse 1 of uh, chapter 14, for instance, he said, it's okay to desire spiritual gifts. There's nothing wrong in desiring it. Nothing. Say said, pursue love. That is the whole of chapter 13. Do you understand the scripture now? Uh, chapter 12 was talking about all the gifts. Then, Last verse of chapter 12, it says, I show you a more excellent way and use the whole of chapter 13 to talk about love. So chapter 14 starts with, pursue love. That is chapter 13. And desire spiritual gifts. Desire spiritual gifts. So there's nothing wrong in desiring spiritual gifts, including speaking in tongues. To help your prayer life. Because it helps. And it helps in other areas too. Okay. So, nothing wrong there at all. Verse 2 of that chapter 14 says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Even that mystery is not mystery to God. It's mystery to you because you don't understand what you're saying. But God understands what you're saying. So it's a prayer language. It's a praise language. It's a power language. When you speak in tongues, you are communicating with God. That's what it's meant for. It's for your own communication. That is prayer to God your prayer language unto God. And it is fine. Verse 4 says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. That is, if you speak in tongues, you build yourself up. It's like you um, you give yourself strength. You draw strength. Your faith wells up. Your faith wells up. You know, you read that Jude uh, uh, 20. Talking about praying well in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Ghost. You understand? You are being built up. You are edified when you pray in the Holy Ghost. Building up your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm choosing my words very carefully. Praying in the Holy Ghost. It didn't say praying in unknown tongues. Praying in the Holy Ghost. May the Lord give us understanding. So, praying in unknown tongues is connected to this. But ultimately, what he's saying is that with the help with the wisdom, with the counsel, with the additional knowledge of the Holy Spirit, you are able to build yourself up. You are edified. Okay, that's fine. Verse 5 says, everyone speaking, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more than more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. He said, okay, fine, you are you are edified when you speak in tongues alone. But my desire is that beyond everybody being able to speak in tongues, I also want you to be able to interpret what you are saying so that others can be blessed. They can now understand what God understands that you were speaking to them. Do you get it? So there is nothing wrong about desiring it. But saying it is more important that everybody get blessed because that's why you were given the gift in the first place. It's not meant for only you. It helps you, but it's not meant for only you. And verse 18. Paul, so if, if it's a bad thing, Paul will not be saying what he said in verse 18. See what Paul said in verse 18. Paul said, I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all. <laughs> See, I, I, I speak in tongues more than you are. So it's a good thing. I do it for myself. But when I come to church where other people are, And I need to address them. Not that I'm praying to God where other people are. I need to address people. Say, I would rather speak in a language, you understand. But even if I'm in church and I'm praying to God. I'm not talking to you. It's God I'm talking to. Say, I'm still free to communicate with him. But I must not do it in a disorderly way. All of us are blasting in tongues. And we don't even know what's going on. Everybody comes in and they're wondering, what's going on here? What's going on here? That's what he was now teaching us in chapter 14. That we do it decently. We do the administration with orderliness. But there's nothing wrong with that gift. Nothing. We mentioned earlier, not everybody will be able to speak in tongues. God will give you if He wants to give you. And it is your duty to desire it and to pray to God to give you because it has benefits. It has benefits because you you gain an advantage. Much as not everybody we speak in tongues. Everybody can be led by the Holy Spirit. I'm running off. I'm running off. Not everyone will speak in tongues. Listen. But every believer can be led by the Holy Spirit. I'll say that once more so that he can sink. Every believer may not speak in tongues. In accordance with scriptures. But every believer can be led by the Holy Spirit. Ah, okay. What do I mean? If you read that uh, Romans chapter 8 very well. Read verse 14. You see that for as many who are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. As many who are led led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. You see as many that prophesy, as many that walk miracles, as many that heal, as many that speak in tongues. Say, but say, As many that are led, they are the sons of God. Okay? Go to verse 26 of the same um, Romans chapter 8 and you will now see what that spirit does for the ones that he is leading um give me a second so romans chapter 8 romans chapter 8 i'm going to read verse 26 the bible says likewise the spirit also helps in our weaknesses so we have weaknesses it's like deficiencies we have deficiencies we lack some things that we should have. Hmm? So it says why for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. He said number one thing you actually should know what you pray for. But because of your weaknesses and deficiencies you don't. You know it in parts. Say but this spirit helps you because he himself is praying for you. He's not only leading you to pray he is praying for you and see what more it says, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered, groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he will searches the hearts, that is your own heart, the person who knows your own heart, who also now knows the will of God, is the one that is making intercession for you. So he's working from answer. The will of God is the answer, is working from that answer. To your question. Which is what should be in your mouth in prayer. Listen. And I, I beg you to listen very well to what this scripture is saying. In no place did it say that. It necessarily uses another language. To get that we, um Spoken by you in prayer. But it will influence your mind. Your spirit connecting with his spirit. To know. To know what the will of the father is so and that can happen in two ways it can happen with your understanding being fruitful or it can happen with your understanding not being fruitful the second case is when you are speaking in tongues, when your understanding is not fruitful you don't know what you're asking but you know that you are being moved by the holy spirit to pray what you are praying that you don't know at other times you go to a place of prayer With one prayer point in mind. As you get there. He draws another prayer point in in your mind. In a language you understand. In your mind. That is the Holy Spirit leading you. Hello. So maybe what he has done. Is to give you the answer in interpretation form. And he can do that. And go to your scriptures. And check. Check again. Check that Jude chapter twenty that I mentioned earlier again it says praying in the Holy Spirit that's what is in the Bible so as you are praying in the Holy Spirit it can take the form of him influencing your mind to connect to what is in the mind of Christ in the will of God to pray in the understanding or it might influence your spirit to pray in an unknown tongue the same will of God that you could have prayed in your understanding if you knew it in your understanding I know this is deep, but this is the truth. This is the truth. And that's why, uh, when Paul was speaking in that first Corinthians 27 verse, uh, uh chapter 12, first Corinthians chapter 12 verse 27 to verse 30. Let's see. Um, I understand that these things d- don't work in one direction. So what I'm going to do is that I will pray both in the spirit and in the understanding. So i'll get the benefit of the two words it is the same holy spirit that is still leading me so i will do both so that i can get the benefit of both words the benefit of both words that i will pray in the spirit and pray in the understanding also and this is the balance i want us to have yes it is great and fantastic if you are able to pray in the uh, unknown tongues but it is more important that you pray in the Spirit. That is with the help, with the strength and the counsel of the Holy Spirit. That is more important. I hope we will be able to address these questions. Join us same time next week. We begin a new series. The name of the series for February is called For Christ's Sake. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to get copies of messages. Kindly visit our ministry material store and also worship with us at Foundation of Truth Assembly Headquarters on 40-42 Imam Daudel Street of Eric Moss Larry Lagos. God bless you.